today we can continue our series joy ride and the reason we chose something kind of silly this morning is because of the seriousness of what we'll be discussing this morning so if you have a god's word a way to see god's word turn to philippians chapter one philippians chapter one now the series introduction is something that i've intentionally put before you every week and will probably continue to put that before you every week because to me what you find in this definition of joy is really what life is really all about. Once we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, there's that point in which we must choose those things in which we will best relate to Him. And one of the best ways that you can relate to Jesus is through the idea of what joy represents. So look here at that definition. Joy is the unshakable assurance that God is in control of all the details of our lives. The confidence that ultimately we can trust God in everything that comes into our lives and the determined purpose to praise Him in all things. That is joy. You may say this morning, well, you know, I, I, it's just been a tough week. And I've talked to some of you. One even said this morning, I'm just glad to be on this side of the dirt this week. You know, that's a great saying. But the point is, there needs to be that joy that takes root in our lives in such a way that what we're dealing with in the face of, of suffering, in the face of trials and tribulations, that we can represent Christ to the world through the joy that we have. So look at the introduction. It is possible, or is it possible, to have joy in suffering? The answer is yes, if we realize whose we are and what our life is truly about. The, the life of a follower of Jesus is far from easy. How many of you can identify with that? It's far from easy. However, it is a path to real satisfying joy. To live for Jesus in the climate of the world that we live right now, if you truly lived out your faith, if you truly lived that out, let me just say, the climate in which we live right now, you will be persecuted. You will be. Because it looks so different than what the world is, is, is attuning itself to. And it's so different than the world in which those who live in this world 
are living for. And so everything is different in the life of a tr true follower of Jesus and those who live for this world. So look at your outline. Experiencing joy and suffering becomes apparent when we represent Christ. When we represent Christ. Now, in his writings, Paul referred to the believer, to believers as ambassadors of Christ. We read that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Now, an ambassador is someone who is sent to be, an, uh, to be an authorized messenger and representative of the one who was sending. Now, I want you to think about that. You are called to represent Christ. But it goes further than that. You're an ambassador of Christ to this world. Now, think about what that means. There's a heavy burden that's associated with that. Because we are attempting to live outside of this world's reality and live in the reality in which he died for us to have in such a way that we can win over the world and the fact that we represent him. Well, look here in verse 27. We seem to, we seem to see this concept of ambassadorship here. Verse 27. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. It's basically saying let the message look like the messenger. Let the message look like the reality of, of the messenger in which we're living. And, and that's who we truly are. We're followers of Jesus Christ. So, basically, we are to represent something that is greater than we are. And that's where the heaviness comes in. It would be like sports teams with a rich history. And some of those teams would include the Tar Heels of North Carolina. And so, when you put on that jersey, it means something. It means something right? No? Okay, let's move on. <laughs> the, the Ohio State University, I, I don't know about that one, but maybe the Blue, Duke, uh, Duke Blue Devils, maybe the NC State Wolfpack back in the 70s, you know, back when the, things were really good back then, or possibly even Gardner-Webb Bulldogs, but definitely not the Cleveland Browns, definitely not. But when you think about it, those jerseys, they mean something. Every time I see Carolina blue, my heart just, just wells up inside of me. When I see a different shade of blue, I, I mean, something haunts me at that point. Red, you can just forget about it. No, but here's what I'm trying to say. We represent Christ to the world, and we should conduct ourselves accordingly because it means something. There was a song by New Song many years ago. Actually, uh, we had, our family got together for our 4th of July celebration yesterday. And, and we got together and we had the music playing and we were playing the old New Song songs. How many of you remember group New Song? Man, I love that. And For Him and all those great oldie goldies, you know, the kids were like, what is this? <laughs> but the point is, there was this one song where they wrote, we wear his name. Here's the chorus. We wear his name, the name above all names. We wear his name in a world that's lost in hopelessness. We've been called to be the light. We wear his name. And that's so true. And that's what this verse is trying to tell us. So can we have joy in suffering when we realize that we represent him? And the thing that comes with this is the fact that we have privileges that are associated associated with that. So the question about this is this, do we represent him well? Do we represent him well? So look on your outline, experiencing joy and suffering becomes apparent. Secondly, when we stand fast, stand fast. Now I'm going to spend a little time on this point 
Because I believe this is the key to what's going on in the reality in which we live in this world, especially in this nation right now. But the word stand fast literally means to stand firm. It literally means to take an unyielding position. It's a position you're not willing to surrender. You're going to hold the ground. In Philippians 27, the second part says this, verse, uh, Philippians 1, 27. So that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit. Stand fast. It's a military green, uh, uh, term. It literally means to hold your ground. And the thing that we need to take note from this is this. For, first of all, we need to know that we will be attacked. It, you can count on it. As Christians who literally represent him, as Christians who, who wear his name, if you do that, you're going to be attacked. If you haven't yet realized it, life is a battle. And it is a spiritual battle for those of us who know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. So if you don't believe, then try to make a move to do the right thing or make a move to, to, to come out of some type of bondage. You see, there's, there's two ways we're attacked as Christians. We're attacked from the world, by the world, because we're different. And we should be different. But we're also attacked by the enemy himself. There's some of you who have had tremendous victories in your life because you've overcome something. And here's what you'll notice. When you attempt to overcome something, the enemy's going to throw everything he's got at you. He really will. You know why? Because that's ground he holds in your life. And so if you're sitting here today and you've got this thing in your life that seems overwhelming, that's bigger than you are, something you wish was not there, every move you try to make to come out from under that thing, that bondage, the enemy's going to come at you. He's going to throw everything at you. A marriage that may be represented here this morning. Maybe y'all have made the determination that, that you need to stay together. You need to stick it out. Let me just say, based on the, uh, the fact that I do a lot of counseling in the area of marriage at times, I'm just here to tell you, he'll throw everything at you in that marriage. When you make that determination to make it work, he does that because he doesn't want to lose ground. Somewhere along the line, he gained ground in your life, and he will fight you. When it comes to him losing that ground. And for you who are here this morning, you're going to be attacked. So basically, the only chance we have is to stand fast in spiritual battles. And that's the instruction that Paul is giving in Ephesians chapter 6. I want you to look here on, on the screen. I, I put this to you because it's in the Amplified Version. And it's a great translation of the Bible. And I want to show you this. He says, in conclusion... Be strong, how? In the Lord. You're not going to overcome these things that are bigger than you on your own. You're, you're just not going to do it. You've got to be strong in Him. It literally means to draw your strength from Him and be empowered through your union with Him. Through your relationship with Him. And in the power of His boundless might. The powers that created the universe is available to those through him. And then he says this, put on the full armor of God. Now, what are we putting on? It's for his precepts. It's his word. They're, they're, they're like splendid armor of a heavenly armed soldier. You've got to put those things on. Because if you don't, we don't stand a chance in this world. And Paul gets very descriptive as to the way that looks here in this chapter. He says, so that you may be able to stand up against all the schemes 
And the strategies and the deceits of whom? The devil. You mean he's at play in our lives? Absolutely. The world will persecute you because you look different than them. But let me just say this. You have an even greater enemy, and it's the devil himself. You might say, you know, I didn't prepare myself for this scary talk when I arrived here this morning. But here, let me, let me just tell you that, this. That he is a reality in this world. And he has systems, he has philosophies, he has deceits. They're out there. That, that are coming for us. And we need to realize that we need to stand up to those things. We need to re- recognize them. For most people, they don't even recognize the deceptions of what the enemy's throwing at them. They don't see it. They don't see it being any different than where they're supposed to live. So what does he say? For our struggle, our battle, is not against flesh and blood. And, and, and here's what he's talking about. Contending only with physical opponents but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this present or current darkness. I want to ask you a simple question. How many of you see darkness as it seems to be overcoming our country right now? Now, let me just say this. The the United States, I believe, is the greatest nation ever. I, I really do. But, man, it's got a lot of faults. And let me just tell you this, anything man-made has a lot of faults. It's not perfect. It, the attempt is to grow to be a more perfect union. It ain't going to happen because it's man-made. But it creates great opportunity for us. We're living in a nation that allows us to meet together right now. So there's good things, and there's things that we should celebrate our, about our nation. But there's also a heaviness that is coming, and it continues to come. And we appear to be under a strong delusion. And every bit of that comes from the enemy, structuring the world in his ways to bring a greater darkness. A greater darkness. Therefore, put on the complete armor of God so that you will be able to successfully resist or withstand and stand your ground in the evil day of danger and having done everything that the crisis demands to stand firm in your place, fully prepared, immovable, victorious. How many of you are seeing people move away from their convictions? How many of you have seen churches move away from their convictions? How many of you have seen denominations move away from their convictions? We're seeing this everywhere. The ones who are to hold up the light in our nation, God's church, all of a sudden that light is not as bright as it once was because we're conceding. We're moving against. Literally, God's church in many ways is moving against the word of God itself. And we got to continue to hold up the banner of truth. And so he says, you need to put these things on. And then he says, so stand firm. That's what he said. Hold your ground. Having tightened. And he starts telling us what what are these things God's given us. The wide band or the belt of truth. It speaks of personal integrity. It speaks of moral courage. You wrap that around your waist. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, it speaks of an upright heart. And having strapped on your feet the gospel of peace and preparation to face the enemy with firm-footed stability. Now, why would you need that? Because he's going to throw everything he's got at you. And literally, if you were to take note from a Roman soldier, and this is where Paul's getting this description, 
you would see that a Roman soldier in battle would have spikes on, the, uh, on their shoes to be able to hold them solid as they fought. We need that. And to me, that's what conviction is all about. To hold solid. To hold solid to what? To God's work. God's word in the battle that we're facing. He goes on, he says, and then he says, um, above all, lift up the protective shield of faith. Y'all, when faith begins to crumble, the whole armor starts to have a problem. You see, I want you to think about it. That shield is something we hold away from ourselves. And, and, and that is to absorb what we're getting ready to read about. Everything the enemy throws at us. It absorbs it. You take away the shield, and we become somewhat vulnerable. But the point is, that shield is very important. He says it here, above all, that you may hold, lift up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. I mean, let me ask you a question. What do you think those arrows are in your life? What's he throwing at you? Now, now let me tell you this. His arrows are intended to bring you to ruin, to destroy you. You, you, you. So many times we kind of miss this. But let me just say this. I don't even know why I'm, this is definitely not my notes. This is not an idea I brought up here. But this is something I think God wants us to hear this morning. And that, it's this. Did you know that the enemy can bless you? Did you know that some of the enemies, some of the things that enemy shoots at you are blessings? And what I mean by blessings, I mean to give you those things that, that have been sitting there in your heart that you so desired and wanted. He, he'll give you those things as long as it keeps you away from what God desires for you. As long as it keeps you on the path to ruin, he'll give you those things. And sometimes we mistake those things as uh, this must be from God or this must be. No, the enemy can do that. He can allow those things into your life. He can bring those things in your life. He'll almost give you anything as long as you stay on the path to ruin. I think we need to think about that more. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. With all prayer and petition, pray. It's not enough just to have the armor on, to stand fast, to stand firm, to hold ground. We've got to be praying. And it's interesting how he says this, praying he, and, and petition prayer with specific request at all times on every occasion, in every season. How? In the spirit, the spirit that's been given to us will guide us, will teach us, will, 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 will convict us when we go awry. It's there. The spirit of God is there through prayer to hold us. It's another component of standing our ground. And with this in view, Stay alert with all perseverance and petition, interceding in prayer for all God's people. Not only do we pray for ourselves, we've got to lift each other up. I thank God because I know this because they've told me there are many in this room right now who pray the armor of God on their pastors. And y'all, we need that. We're under heavy attack, believe it or not. You're under heavy attack. We're all under heavy attack. And God needs us to be people of prayer. The armor of God, listen, is our only hope to stand firm in this spiritual realm. And let me just say this. And I didn't intend to say this until I saw something again this morning. But did you know that the world's coming for our children? 
They're coming for our children. Matter of fact, the LGBTQ community shouted that this week. And some of them have walked back what they were saying, but no, what they did is they really revealed where they are. And here's what they said. We are coming for your children. Was exactly the words they said in the streets. They're coming for our children. Now let me just say this. That's always been there. The enemy loves to see a new generation pop up that he can have greater, possibly greater influence in. The enemy loves another generation that comes up that he may slide his conniving ways in and deceitful ways in to bring stronger delusion as it continues, as it goes from one generation to the next. And the thing that we need to realize is they are coming for our children. The enemy's coming for our children. We need to pray for our children. We who are, who are godly parents, godly grandparents, we need to put the armor of God on our children. We need to pray it over them. Because they are standing in the battle zone. You say, well, the enemy, he wouldn't come after my eight-year-old, would he? My five-year-old? Oh, Absolutely. Look at some of the deception that's going on. We've never seen this much deception that five-year-olds are dealing with in the world we live today. We've never seen anything like what we're seeing today. And the thing is, we need to stand up. We need to realize that God has a purpose. There's something here. And we will never realize that purpose unless we understand the Word of God and how He desires us to hold firmly to it. Next, stand fast because not only are we going to be attacked, we need to be anchored. Anchored. The word, where, where are we to be anchored in? The Word of God. We need to be anchored in our convictions. And so here, here's, here's something I want to put out there to you. If you're going to stand firm, if you're going to hold ground, and you don't know the Word of God, you're not going to hold ground for long. you got to get in the Word. I, and that's one reason why your pastors attempt to just bring the Word, just serve it right up to you. That's one reason in our connect groups, we desire that everything be led by the Word of God, not the opinions of men necessarily. Now, there may, may be great men and women who speak into it, who expound out of the Word of God. Sometimes we're called to listen to that. But the thing we need to realize is we need to know the Word of God. So here's what we need to understand. To stand fast has both a positive and a negative connotation. For example... We are to stand for what is right and stand against what is wrong. We're to stand for God. We're to stand against the enemy. We're to stand for truth and stand against deception. That's what we're called to do. No matter what we face, we can stand firm with what God has provided for us. He's given us the provision of everything we need. I want you to listen to it in two different places in Scripture. Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 2, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. How, how do you do that? Well, you're rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. As you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving, beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. Be aware that there's people out there, there's false teachers, false prophets who are coming against the Word of God. And basically what he's saying, it, it sounds good, it sounds appealing, but it's only being pitched to your, towards the flesh. He's saying, listen to the Word of God. Don't be deceived by these others. What does he say? Where do they come from? According to the traditions of men. 
according to man's philosophy, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. It's not coming from Christ. It's man-made. What do we know about man-made things? It can lead to ruin. It can lead to destruction. 1 Peter 5 eight. Peter says this. Be sober. What does that mean? Well-balanced, self-disciplined. Be alert and cautious at all times. That, that enemy of yours, the devil, he's prowling around like a roaring lion, fiercely hungry, seeking someone to devour. Now, I don't know about you. How many of you see these shows about animal life and all that goes on and the prey and the hunted and all that stuff? Have you ever seen a lion who's really hungry get a hold of its prey? It's violent. I mean, he goes after it. There, there's nothing between what he desires and where he is, there's nothing that will keep him from zoning in on that. And he does the same thing with us. The same thing with us. He says to the enemy, he, he prowls around. He's seeking someone to devour, to destroy, to ruin. He's coming. But resist him. Be firm in your faith. Against his attack, rooted, established, immovable, knowing that the same experience of suffering are being experienced by your brothers and sisters throughout the world. He's basically saying you're not suffering alone. Now, in the context of what Paul's talking about here, he's really talking more about persecution. He's talking about those who hate the name of Jesus. He's talking about those who hate the gospel. That's really in light of it. But it can include all suffering because the same principles are in place. He'll do everything in his power to disrupt what God is attempting to do in your life. But here's what we need to understand. We're all in the same boat. How many of you have gone through something? You've gone through something and you thought, I'm probably the only one who's ever dealt with anything like this. Have you ever felt that way sometimes? I did. You know one of the great, you know what helped me more than anything, how God worked in my life, is through the counseling I've been able to do with other people. And sometimes you'll walk in, and, and sometimes I'll be sitting there with you, and, you'll say, and I'll say, well, what's going on? And you tell me, and it's, it, can I be honest with you? It's no different than almost what the last person walked in here with. I'm just going to be honest with you. He, he's not that creative. He really isn't. He'll, he, he's attacking us in many of the same ways. The root causes of his attack really come from pride. And then you begin to build on these things. And that's where things begin to come different in the way that he comes at you. But many of the things you're talking about, and if you've come to me, you hear me say this, I'll tell you, I've dealt with that too. He comes at us. We're not alone in the battle. We're not alone. You're, we're not the only ones that have ever dealt with that. But he wants to make us think that. After you've suffered, look at what he says next. After you've suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who imparts his blessing and favor, who called you to his eternal glory. That, that's important. He's called you to something greater than this world in Christ with himself. Complete, confirm, strengthen, and establish you, making you what you ought to be. Let me ask you a simple question. How many of you want to be what you ought to be in Christ? I think most of us in this room say yes. But what does it take to get there? To forsake conforming to this world and embracing and clinging to the Word of God. 
That's what it is. That's where it begins. So experiencing joy and suffering becomes apparent next. When we stand as one with other followers, we are to stand firm realizing we're in a battle and we need to be anchored to the truth, but we also need to be anchored standing together. How many of you, when someone, I don't know, maybe you're on social media and you hear someone, maybe it's famous, and, and they seem to be speaking the word of God? How many of you that just lights some, something up under you? It's almost like, man, there's a kindred spirit I feel with this. And they're famous. <laughs> I mean, sometimes, and sometimes it doesn't quite pan out. Later you find out something. But sometimes it's almost like, this is amazing. This is, oh, I love this. But it's even more amazing when we as a church community began to understand God's word and we have unity around who he is. And by the way, that will only come when the Holy Spirit's working in and among us. When he draws us together and we stand together as one. That's the reason we believe good doctrine is so important around here. It's important that we know what God's word says. And so what's he trying to tell us? Look at verse 27, the last part. That you stand fast, how? In one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. One in spirit. Of course, there is no unity between two, believe, two believers who have this, uh, if, if they don't have the Holy Spirit of God working in their life. And so if we are two believers in Christ, Spirit of God's working in our life, He'll bring us together. He'll draw us together. We'll be able to stand together. You see, the unity of spirits can only come about through us both yielding to the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to think about that. If we're not both yielding to the Holy Spirit, whether we're believers or not, we can cause all kinds of calamity. We can cause all kinds of problems within the body. And the thing is, we need to be one in this. God needs to be doing a work in us. We're one, working as a team for the advancement of what God desires. we got to get rid of our egos, our agendas. I think about Sometimes when uh, the NFL or whatever, they'll start out and they'll they'll talk about this team that can't miss from being in the Super Bowl this year. And you watch, and all of a sudden, there's nothing as to how they were built up. And then you discover, as you look closely in the team, they have all the right talent. They have everything they need to to make a good Super Bowl run. But, But the problem is, egos begin to get in the way. They don't work together as a team. doesn't matter how great the talent is. If you're not working together towards the same outcome through the same goal. Next, experiencing joy and suffering becomes apparent when we live without fear. Live without fear. Realizing who we represent while standing firm together allows us to live without fear. Look at verse 28. And not be in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation and that from God. Now, now here's what he's trying to say here in verse 28. What he's trying to say here is when you are persecuted or when you go through a trial or tribulation and all of a sudden you're seeing it different than the world, that tells you that you have salvation. There's been times in my life, if you were to go back and say, okay, tell me how you know you're saved. And many of you are probably asking that question sitting in this room. Here's how I know. Because things are different in me than what I see in the world. The perspective God's given me through his word. The way I see things. Now, do I live it perfectly? My wife will tell you no. 
No. But the thing I need to tell you is this. It's still different. It's still different even in the measures in which I fail. It shows me because there's conviction. I'm never settled on those things. There's an inner strife that happens in me when I'm out pursuing the things of God. And it allows me, when I do step out, it allows me to live without fear, knowing that God holds my future. He holds those things as long as I'm living set apart from this world and set apart unto him. I can do that. Next, experience enjoying suffering becomes apparent when, when we live with privileges. And there's two great privileges we see here. Number one, believing in Christ. You were saved, and the thing that we need to realize is that salvation was given to you. Did you know that? No one in here sitting here, hopefully you're not sitting here saying, no, I earned that. You don't have the same salvation the Bible's talking about. And we need to realize that. So verse 1, I mean verse 29. For to you it has been granted, given as a gift on behalf of Christ, not only to who to believe in him. Secondly, it's another privilege to suffer for Christ. Because we now have our salvation. It's a privilege to suffer on his behalf. You say, I don't know if I want to sign up for that. It's part of it. It just kind of comes. And I'm telling you, when you suffer and you know it's not because of your own mess-ups and your own sin and you're suffering just because of Jesus, there's something that kind of lights a fire in you. I've been there. Many of you have been there. So look at verse 29. For to you it's been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here is in me. And so he's basically saying there's so many things. There's so many things that are happening. But, but here's where I want to leave you this morning. Here in the 21st century, most of the emphasis in Christianity is on becoming happier here, healed here, more blessed here, and more fulfilled here. This is not the picture the Bible gives us. It's not. It will never happen here. The greatest needs of your life will not be fulfilled in this world, but in the world to come. And if you have some people saying, no, it can be right here. You can create a heaven right here on earth. If you'll just do these things, that's a false teacher. That's not what the Bible says. We're living for a world to come. And we need to understand that as we move in those directions. So here's the application. How are you doing as it relates to your journey on the path of real satisfying joy? Do you really have that path? Is it right there? Do you realize whom you're representing with your life? Next, when ab adversity comes, are you standing fast and standing as one with other followers of God, the, uh, other followers that God has placed in your life? Are you living fearlessly, realizing who your faith is really in? Because true joy comes when we can live out what we're called to do while overcoming the things of this world, overcoming what the world offers, overcoming what the enemy throws at us, standing firm, standing fast in the world of God, in the word of God. Would you stand to your feet, please? Would you pray with me? Father, we just come to you now. We just thank you for your many blessings. And Lord, there's so much that we've taken in this morning. And Father, I know that a message like this is, is sometimes difficult to be inspiring to us. 
Father, this is your word that we've tried to accurately impart to those that are hearing this morning. Father, I just pray for each one of us in this room for us to realize that that we're called to the world beyond. We're, We're just here as ambassadors. We're just here to represent you. And sometimes it will bring suffering. Sometimes it'll bring outcome that is not necessarily pleasant. It may even be difficult. But Father, we know because of what you provided for us in your salvation that you give us the power to overcome. Father, I pray for those that are in this room and maybe they're dealing with something in this room that they may think is bigger than they are. Lord, help them to realize that's the first step of coming to terms with where they are. That it is bigger than they are that it is going to take you to work in their life, to empower them, to stand firm on the Word of God and and reject the deception of this world and the enemy. Father, help them to stand pure. We thank you for what you desire to do this morning in Jesus' name. I want to ask you, if you would, to sing with us this morning. But not only that, we have some prayer partners are here at the front. Maybe you need someone to pray with you. They're going to be here at the front. Or maybe you just need to get around the steps there as a personal altar. Whatever it is, do what God's calling you to do in these closing minutes. Would you? If he's dealing with you, if you need someone to pray with you, we talked about that. Let him do this work in your life this morning. Would you, would you sing with us?